Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. Um, if you're joining us online, welcome. We are continuing this morning our series called Living Out Love, and our attempt in this series is to really discover how you and I can help ourselves become the best at loving those that are around us, how we can become ultimately the best version of ourselves, uh, with the idea that we can begin to have the most positive impact on the lives of those that we are interacting with on a daily basis. And so if you've been here since the beginning of 2019, we started looking at um, some statements that Jesus made made as he was dying on the cross and how those impacted our lives. And then over the last couple of weeks and then leading up to Easter, we're trying to get really practical, trying to really see what it is that you and I can do that will, in some very real ways, allow us to be living out love and, and in some powerful ways, be able to demonstrate to people what God has done in our lives and, and to be able to show and demonstrate the transformation that has happened for us and in us as Jesus works in our lives and ultimately draw others to him. Uh, there's something about me you probably can figure out. Um, if you listen to me very long, you know this, but um, I love to eat. Um, and uh, in high school, not only did I love to eat, I ate a lot. Uh, my poor parents and their food bill. Um, some buddies and I, just a couple, just to validate that, my buddies and I, we went to a round table pizza one day and uh, we went to the buffet. And my goal at a buffet is to win. Um, like, I, I look at what the cost is, and then I'm like, I've got to eat this much to beat that, and then everything after that is like a win. Uh, so I managed to eat 22 slices of pizza one day. And it seems like a lot, but I played basketball like an hour later. So it was just, you know, and then uh, one Thanksgiving, I uh, went to my grandparents' house, and we had Thanksgiving around noon. And then about 2.30, I went to my girlfriend's house and had Thanksgiving there and then about six o'clock I had Thanksgiving dinner at my other grandparents house. So uh, eating is uh, I enjoyed it and I've had to figure out how to stop doing that quite so much. Uh, but if you're like me and you enjoy food or you enjoy eating, this morning is going to be one of the most exciting, spiritually freeing experiences of your life. Because we're going to explore this huge aspect of living out love and living like Jesus and that it includes eating. Okay, we're not a church that does a lot of amens and preachets, um, but I feel like that's one where we should get some. So uh, we're just going to do that again. We're going to try that again, and uh, let's see, let's liven up, right? If you're like me and you enjoy eating, and, and this morning is going to be one of the most exciting, spiritually freeing experiences. Yeah. Hey, yeah, there you go, there you go, because we're going to talk about how we can live out love and eat. Yeah, okay. Now, some of you are like, okay, that's... Okay. But in case you're doubting, let me just prove to you that that's what happened. It was captured by one of the guys that recorded the highlights of Jesus' life. His name is Luke. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes. Here's what he said about Jesus. He said, the Son of Man, which is a name for Jesus, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Hey, <laughs> Yes. There we go. There we go. We often talk about why Jesus came. Like, why did he come to earth? Well, he told us. He told us he came so that, that we could have life to the full. He said he came so that he could give his life as a ransom to pay for anybody that would that pay for our sin, pay for us if we'd be willing to accept it. He said he came to not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve. We know why he came. And on most messages in the church on a Sunday morning here or other churches, we talk about why Jesus came. Sometimes we even talk about the process for how he got to earth. You know the story where some angels show up and they start singing in the sky and then some shepherds freak out and then some wise men bring gifts. 
and Mary had to ride a long, 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 long way on a donkey, and Jesus is born in a barn. Like, we've heard that story, right? Like that. So we, we don't often talk about why he came or how he came. How did he arrive on the scene, and what did it look like, and how did the crowd see him? And, and there's times where Jesus came, and he was preaching, and he was teaching, and he was healing, and that's what he did often. But, but what he did most... What Jesus did more than anything else, and what he actually oftentimes got in trouble for doing, was eating and drinking. In fact, Jesus was eating and drinking so much that he was oftentimes accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. That's how much he was eating and drinking. And some of you are thinking, I had no idea I had so much in common with Jesus. (laughs) But the Son of God came eating and drinking. And oftentimes, I don't think we stop and think about that as such a critical thing, that he came eating and drinking. And what I want us to see this morning, and what I think we have to understand, is that Jesus lived out love by sharing a meal. So this morning, what we need to figure out is, what does that mean in our lives? What does that look like for us if we're going to live out love? And if you were here last week, this is a welcome change. If you were here last week, I challenged you hard on the idea of figuring out how to forgive those people that have hurt you. A brutal, difficult challenge to say, the people that have hurt you in your life, that have damaged you, that have done something wrong, how do we forgive them? And so this morning, the challenge is way easier. I'm going to challenge you to eat as an act of service and love for Jesus. (laughs) Bet you're not sorry you came now, right? You're like, my wife drugged me here, but I'm good with that, right? I mean, think about the moments in life. Most moments in life are around a meal, right? Holidays include a meal. Weddings often include a meal. Birthdays, dinner. Business deals, dinner, right? So many things include a meal. Even regular life includes meals, right? Catching up with old friends, go get together, go out to dinner. Getting to know a new coworker. let's go out to lunch. Hearing about our kid's day, sit down and talk about it around the dinner table. Help somebody move and they buy you a pizza. Pitching a new idea to a business partner, hey, let's, let's go out and eat. So many things in our lives happen around sharing a meal, and if we f- look at it right, we can begin to recognize it's a way that we can be living out love. And during the time of Jesus, meals were so much more than just enjoying the taste of good food or, or the nutrition that you would get from eating. In biblical times, meals, they were, they were an event that would last for hours. I went to Five Guys last night. It took them an hour to get me my meal, but that's different. Um, <laughs> it was irritating. But anyway... Um, Meals were these times where you would invite people over and you would say, listen, I care about you and I love you and I want to find out more about you. Or or, I don't know you yet and I want to get to know you. The purpose was to create deep connections with another person. There was really this almost divine nature around a meal. Many people believe that it was one of the greatest ways to experience God was to eat a meal with somebody else. Many of the first century believers actually felt like it was the best way for you to know God was to happen through the context of community, through the idea of breaking bread together, of eating a meal together, of of doing life together. So today I want to look more at this, this imagery of breaking bread. And we might throw around a churchy word. The churchy word is fellowship, and I'll probably just avoid that as much as I can. We like to call it connect. 
We want to connect and create those relationships. And one of the greatest ways that we can connect is to eat together. There's a powerful thing that was happening in Acts chapter 2. Jesus has already gone. He's gone back to heaven. And, and the church is just getting started. Here's what happens. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give, anyone, to, give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There's so much going on there. But at the very top of the list, one of their great commitments was eating together. Breaking bread, sharing a meal. And it was out of those connections, it was out of that bond or those relationships, what grew out of that is what allowed them to have a tremendous impact on their community and eventually on the entire world. It allowed them to rally together, to really commit to one another. And honestly, we have a really difficult time now, and it's harder than ever to create community and to create connections. And the part of what makes it hard to create connections and community are some of the great things that we have in our lives. There was an author that actually went through in a book and started to highlight some of the technology advances or the improvements in our lives that have actually made it harder for us to connect. And actually one of the very first things he points out that has caused it to be difficult to connect are air conditioners. Maybe in other parts of the country a little bit more than here, but, but think about air conditioners. People used to go, you know, on a hot day, they would go sit out on their porch in the evening and they would sip some tea and they would just hang out on the porch because it was too hot in the house. And so then as the neighbor would walk by, you'd say hi, and maybe they'd come up on the porch. And... But then air conditioners said, ah, well, we'll just go inside because it's still comfortable there. And then the neighbors walked by and nobody saw each other, each other. Then we moved from where we used to have detached garages, right, where you would park in the garage and then you'd have to get out and walk into your house. And then we actually just started parking our, our cars in our house, right? So now there was no longer any walk from the garage no chance to see anybody, no chance to bump into somebody, no chance to... And then we're not only parking in our house, now we've got remote control doors, right? So you just push the button, slip into the back cave. <laughs> the only person you talk to is Siri, right? Like Siri, start the bubble bath or whatever. Like... <laughs> and now with social media, we don't even have to tell our friends happy, you know, hey, so excited about your new baby, or I like the new house. Like... We just like it. Or if we really want them to know that we care, like we smiley face emoji it. Like, ah, oh, I'm so excited, smiley face. <laughs> but we don't have to talk. And if you call me, I never have to, never accidentally have to talk to you. Right? If you call me, you, I guarantee you, I'm going to look at my screen. And I'm going to see whose name it is. And if I don't know the name, I'm not answering. And even if I know the name, I get to decide if I'm going to talk to you. It's like, huh, those guys talk way too long. <laughs> Voicemail, right? Like, we never have to have human interactions, right? You don't, you don't have to go shopping anymore and talk to anybody. We can have everything ordered and delivered to our homes. Get out your phone, get out your laptop. I'll take this. I'll get my groceries, whatever. Boop. And if you're like me, some of you know this story. I'm so scared of people sometimes. A FedEx driver pulled up to my house that I see at Starbucks a lot, and it panicked, and I actually hit the floor so she wouldn't see me in the window. I, that's just a weird thing. That's not actually a deal. That's just, 
It's just, uh, that's just odd part of me. But anyway, so, so we're going to have to work at it. We're going to have to take some action. We're going to have to intentionally try to create relationships, establish things that are going to matter. If ultimately we're going to be able to point people towards Jesus through those relationships and actually help build each other up in those. So let me start with one of the easiest options that we can take when it comes to living out love and sharing a meal together. So in the very powerful name of Jesus, I want to challenge you to eat with other people from church. There you go. (laughs) Follow some advice out of the Hebrews. It says this, and let us consider how we may spur spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm not sure how we love and encourage and spur each other on and challenge one another and how we actually grow or develop if we're not eating together, if we're not finding time to be together. And I realize that one of the reasons that we're like, oh, I can't get together, I can't meet with people, is we're so busy and we have so much going on. But we all take time every day to eat. So don't waste that time anymore. Don't let that be an activity that's just, well, I gotta just cram it in. I mean, imagine for just a second the community that would start to develop amongst us as a church if each and every one of us decided, you know what, one meal every month, I'm gonna eat with somebody else from Silver Creek. What if each of us started to commit to that, to just say, every month, I'm gonna make sure I take at least one of my meals and I'm gonna eat it with somebody else that's a part of Silver Creek. Now, you may not like what I'm about to say, um, but I don't want that to be staff, okay? Not because our staff is off limits or that you shouldn't be developing connections with our staff. You can actually still get together with staff members. You just can't count it as one of your monthly commitments. But imagine what would happen if we began to say, listen, we're gonna connect to each other. And the reason that I don't want you just to connect with staff is that we have to go wider if we're actually gonna get deeper because if all the connection is just people to leadership, that just doesn't help us. And I would say, take, take our staff out to dinner. Go hang out with those guys. Deserve it. Say thank you for all that they do. But if we're going to really develop community that's going to last, it has to be wider and deeper than just through leadership. It has to be, there has to be connections that spread wide. And for those of us that are on staff, that means that we can't just go out with other staff members and say, I've done it. No, we have to be connecting with other people to help build that as well. So what does this look like? This means we start looking around. Look around and see people that are in a similar place in life as you. Like, oh, okay, they're, they're in, so let's, let's get together with them. Let's get to know them. Let's, let's begin to develop a relationship. Hey, let's just go grab a bite to eat. Maybe what you do is you start looking around and you start to evaluate, hey, those people are where we want to be. They've accomplished some things that we want to accomplish. Maybe you look at a family that has kids that are five or ten years older than your kids, and you watch their kids, and you're like, the way their kids behave are how we want our kids to behave when our kids get that old. And then you share a meal, and you say, please tell us what it is that you do in raising your kids, and then just listen like crazy. Find out what it is that they've done. Or maybe you notice somebody else that's reached a place of financial stability, and you're like, that's where we want to be. That's what we desire in our lives. So then you invite them over for dinner, invite them out to lunch, and just say, would you pour into us? 
I want to learn from the decisions that you've made that have gotten you to where you are. So connect with those that are similar. Connect with those that have reached the place that you want to reach. And then lastly, look for people in your life that you can pour into. Maybe you've developed a very strong faith. Maybe your marriage is really solid. Then look into others that you can begin to connect with and have a meal with and begin to invest in their lives. Begin to give of yourself to help develop and to help grow those that need you to pour into them. And that happens so well if we'll start eating together. And here's one of the amazing things. If you and I, when we begin to start doing this, if we begin eating together, what that will begin to do is it will develop a community of people, us, that becomes attractive to others. People outside of the church, people that are already not going to church, they are not initially thinking, you know, I'm really looking for salvation from my transgressions, which is keeping me from an eternal destiny apart from the Lord Almighty. Like, they're not thinking that. But what they will recognize, what they will desire is to be a part of a group that cares for one another, that enjoys life together, that desires to help each other become the best that we can be, that, that rallies around each other when life is tough. Listen to how the story continued to the early church in Acts 2. It says this, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were just living life together. This group of followers decided, we're going to eat together. We're going to connect our hearts together. And as the community saw what was going on, they're like, oh, I like what I see. How do I get involved with that? And as a result of saying, how do we get involved with that? They ultimately discovered who Jesus was and began to follow him as well. And it happened through them developing community and growing one another and encouraging one another to grow in Christ. And then individuals around them began to say, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And then had the opportunity to discover Jesus and what he had to offer. This is why as a group, as a church, as a collective, we have to say, you know what, we're going to be committed to each other. We're going to make every effort we can to consistently be engaged. This is why when we roll out connect groups the next week, you got to say, how do I get involved in a connect group? How do I make that a part of who I am? How do I develop those things? But it also means we have to figure out how to eat together, connect with each other over that meal. It also means we have to be determined to be here on Sunday mornings because it's out of Sunday mornings where we begin to find those connect groups. We begin to find those people that are going to share a meal with and we begin to grow that way. And the reason that I bring up, you gotta, we got to be committed to being here on Sunday mornings, uh, I recently read a study. The average American Christian shows up for church one time a month. One time! The average is one time a month. I don't even know what to do with that, honestly. Hey, hey, you get to breathe, breathe a huge sigh of relief because you're here this morning, it is a five Sunday month, so like you got. Anyway, I don't know. Just just try and step inside of the the head of a pastor for just a moment. I don't have any idea what to do with that. One time a month, and think about this: our services are one hour, and most of you are ten minutes late. So it's like 40, 40 minutes. 
<laughs> you th- you're like, I escaped. I'm here. I'm like, yeah, you're still late. Anyway, um, <laughs> we don't take attendance, but I'm watching. Um, not really. So what that means is the average Christian is in church one hour a month. Most of us spent one hour on social media in the last 48 hours. I I don't know how we ever think that that one hour a month is going to have any impact on our lives. Even if you're two times better than average. That's two hours a month minus the 10 minutes you're late, so I can't even do the math. Here's the problem. We let everything else trump church too quickly. I was actually just talking to a guy before service. He was like, the weather was nice. I almost went golfing, and then I came to church instead. I was like, good idea, because today was the day not to do that. Because <laughs> you would have listened to it online and been like, oh, jeez. Anyway, like, right, the weather's bad. I think I'm going to sleep in. It's cold. Oh, the weather's nice. We should do the yard work we didn't get done yesterday. So tired. It was a long week. We went to the game, and we were there late. Ah, let's just get out of town again. Like, we always find things that trump church. And unfortunately, what happens when we allow that to be a priority is that ultimately we can't be surprised when our kids grow up and don't value the community and church and walk away from Jesus. Now listen, I'm not saying forcing your kids to be in church every week will guarantee they follow Jesus. I mean, how we live each day and the example that we set at home, and all of that will ultimately play into how each person responds to Jesus. But so oftentimes, and I know I'm just talking to parents, I'll hear parents say, well, I don't want to force church on my kids. Don't you force education on your kids? Like, what if your kid was like, I don't really want to go to school. Okay. I don't really want to eat my vegetables. Oh, okay. I don't want to know about, like, Is there not a better thing? So we can't be shocked if our kids don't follow our priority. If if our priorities are one thing and we demonstrate one thing, that's what our kids are going to see. And when we begin to recognize that the church community can be healthy and we pour into making it healthy and we pour into making it a loving and thriving and beneficial environment, our kids will see that. And they'll experience it for themselves. And then those around us, those in our community will begin to see that and they'll begin to recognize the reality of what we've created. And they'll be drawn into that and have a desire to be a part of it. And I know that we have podcasts that you can listen to when you're not here. And I know you can watch online and if you can't be here and if you're watching online, I apologize this morning. But And if that's the best and only option, we are thrilled to have that available to you. But what we have to understand is that we are designed to worship God together. To share an idea of Jesus committed together. To worship together. To hear the message out of the Bible together. To establish community together. It's so essential in our lives. And it leads us to becoming an attractive community to those that are outside of the church. And such a critical aspect of, of living out love and following the example of Jesus is learning how to share a meal together and developing that community of a church. 
And if you've been here over the past couple of weeks, you know that we're really looking towards Easter and, and really saying, listen, it's just a couple of weeks out and, and really focusing in on how can each of us be inviting other people to join us that morning. Ultimately, so that they can not only connect with us and develop that relationship, but ultimately that they can hear about the love of Jesus and develop an opportunity to follow him. And so one of the really important elements that comes about with sharing a meal of eating together, of living out love, is for all of us to recognize and see the potential that needs to happen where we begin to create opportunities to connect with those that don't know Jesus. Jesus spent lots and lots of time with his closest friends, with his disciples. He hung out with these guys more than anybody else. They had tons of access to him. So the 12 disciples and Jesus, this, this group of 13, they probably had countless meals together. They went to all kinds of events and festivals, and they would eat together at all of these things. And we know that Jesus had some close friends, and he would go to their houses, and they would have dinner, and they would have a meal, and they would connect. But those aren't the times that Jesus frustrated people, where they got mad at Jesus, and they accused him of being a drunkard or a glutton. It was the times where Jesus went, and he shared a meal with individuals that were outside of the church where he sat down and he had a meal with those that didn't have life all figured out yet. Where he would talk with, with women that were involved in prostitution or men that were consumed with greed or people that were plagued with the disease. And Jesus would make time for these people. And many of the times that he would invite or be involved in their lives, it included sitting down and eating together. In fact, it happened in one of the most famous Bible stories. If you've been in church very long, you know this story, and you know that it's true, and you know how it played out. We just haven't figured out how to make it a part of our own lives yet and love those that are around us. In this particular story, Jesus is about to walk into town, and at this moment, Jesus is, he is crazy popular. Everybody wants to see him. Everybody wants to touch him. Everybody wants to get his autograph or hear what he has to say, or if everything works out, get a selfie. Like, they're like, how do I get to be where Jesus is at? And everywhere he shows up, the crowds are huge. If you wanted to see Jesus, you had to arrive early. You had to get there and get up close. If you were going to see him, you had to plan your day ahead. And one of the guys that really wanted to see Jesus was a guy that was hated by everyone. He was a tax collector. And even if you don't know how tax collectors worked back then, and tax, collector, tax collectors back then, they used to cheat people, and they would line their pockets with people, you know, the money that they stole from people. Even if you don't know that about tax collectors back then, we all know you're supposed to boo and hiss if anybody is from the IRS, right? Like, we, we don't even need to know. We're just like, IRS, tax, and we don't like you, right? That's him. His name is Zacchaeus. So this guy is dealing with the stigma of being a tax collector. His other problem is he's really, really, really short. And we all know that really, really short people can be a bit unpredictable. <laughs> I like short people. I mean, they make great leaning posts and stuff, but um, I ran that by my wife. She's so short. Anyway, um, <laughs> Zacchaeus, he's like, he's so short, and he's cheating everybody, and they're all like, what's this short cheater, you know, and so Zacchaeus is like, I want to see Jesus, but I know the crowd is going to be huge, and so he's like, how am I going to, how am I going to see him, and so he has to improvise, and so he, he climbs up a tree in hopes to just get a glimpse of Jesus, and clearly an IRS agent in a tree would stand out 
and he catches Jesus's attention. I don't know what he thought he was going to get away with. Like, you're in a tree. Anyway, here's how it goes. It says, when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Greatest lesson out of this. Anytime you see a man in a tree, <laughs> you get to demand they come down and have you over for dinner. Okay? Uh, I guess that probably only works for Jesus. But anyway, um, here's what we can't miss. He is a guest in Zacchaeus' house. If you're a guest in somebody's house, what this means is they are going to have a meal together. They're not just going to come in and, hey, I'll give you a tour of the house. They're going to eat. They're going to share a time together, and through that time together, they're going to, it's going to create opportunity to talk, to get to know each other, to build relationship, for Jesus to find out what's happening in Zacchaeus' life, and his struggles, and his challenges, and, and why are you cheating people? What's causing you to do that? And ultimately, through this conversation, Zacchaeus ends up changing his ways. You read on, he begins to admit, yeah, yeah, I've been stealing from people. In fact, I'm going to pay them all back. And what you and I need to start doing is taking the activity that we do every single day, three times a day, and start using it to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus. So maybe that just start, means you start having lunch with coworkers. Maybe it means you need to plan a neighborhood barbecue. Maybe your kids are involved in sports and there's a family that you've started talking to and, and you guys get along really well and so maybe you just need to say, hey, next week after the game, let's all grab a hamburger. And the beauty of it is, is we begin to connect, make these connections and we begin to make these relationships and even if individuals never decide to follow Jesus, we've demonstrated value for who they are. We've invested in people. We've demonstrated you matter. Whether they ever follow Jesus or not, you matter. I gave you my time. I invested in you. And honestly, it will take effort, and it will take commitment, and it will take creativity, and it will take courage. But you and I have an opportunity to follow the example of Jesus and to begin to create opportunities to connect over a meal. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been challenging you to create a list. Create a list of five people that you can be praying for, that you will be inviting to Easter. And I know we're getting closer to that, but, but maybe what you need to do is look over your list and figure out a way to invite those people to a meal before you invite those people to church. Go out and grab some coffee. Hang out. Develop that relationship. Pray that God would begin to give you the ability and the creativity and, and the courage to just invite them to hang out and develop that relationship. And as opportunity begins to present itself, maybe it's in that meal, maybe it's not, but then you invite to Easter. If you haven't taken the time to create that list, I just challenge you to do it. We've got more of the cards out at the kiosk, but you don't really need one of our cards to write down five names. But write five names of individuals that are in your life that, that, that God would bring to your mind that you can invest in and that you can invite to. And this morning, if you've looked in your program, you've probably seen those invite cards in there. And really, we want to provide those invite cards as, as a tool for you to be able to use. For you to be able to say to somebody, listen, hey, I want, I want to personally invite you to what's going on Easter morning. 
has all the details of what's happening that day and, and some amazing surprises that are going to be happening for kids. And, and we're going to, honestly, just so you heads up, we're going to keep giving you five cards every week because you might lose those. You might give them all away. We're going to have a bunch at the kiosk. And honestly, as we've been getting close, I've been dying for these cards to show up because what I'm finding is that I want to have these cards in my hand. I want to have them in my car because I know who the five individuals are on, on, that I'm planning to invite. But I keep running into other people. And the beauty of it is you can invite people that aren't on your list. And so I run into these people or a barista at Starbucks and she's telling me about her little kid. I'm like, why don't I have a card so I can tell her about Aegon or whatever? These cards just make it such an opportunity to invite. So maybe grab a couple extra, have them on hand. And as God provides opportunity, you just invite last week we rolled out the idea of beginning to pray and fast regarding Easter. Fasting is basically the choice to, to give something up, and in the absence of that thing, praying specifically for something, praying that God would move in a certain way. And so, as Elizabeth mentioned, we encourage you to, to consider fasting, to give up your lunch Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And just spend some time in prayer. And we actually had a great group of people that, that committed to that that signed up to be a part of that. Thank you for doing that. We encourage you to keep being a part of that. And if you thought about it last week, but you didn't, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Because not only does it give us an opportunity to be praying for what God is going to be doing on Easter, it allows each of us to set aside time to, to pour into and say, God, would you be working in me? Would you be growing in me? Would you be developing me? So at the same time as we look towards Easter and the opportunity to invite, we're actually beginning to grow our own spiritual walk and our development and our connection with the God that allows us to speak directly with Him. So I just encourage you, if you haven't already done that, sign up, be a part of what we're doing, and pray for us as we get closer to Easter. And every week in your programs, we give you these green cards and, and really just challenge you to start thinking through what is it that you're going to do based on what it is that you heard this morning. Maybe your next step is simply to celebrate the example that Jesus set by eating and drinking with people. Maybe your next step is to decide who it is that you're going to reach out to this week and share a meal with. Maybe your next step is to begin watching for the moment to use your invite cards. Or maybe your next step is just to continue or commit to fasting from lunch or whatever you decide Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and pray for those that you'll be inviting and anything else going on with Easter. Whatever it is that, that God is calling you to, and, and I know we started off and kind of said, this is easy, we're just going to eat, but it's going to take some effort, it's going to take some commitment, it's going to take each of us recognizing the value of that. Band's going to come and play in just a moment one last song before they do, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to join you in the process of helping people discover who you are and your love for them. Would you give us the courage to, to build on and continue developing relationships? Help us to do that with each other. Help us to take time to live life together. Help us to create connections outside of the church and develop opportunity where we can invite people to know you, where we can share the story of what you've done in our lives. Thank you so much, God, for the, the numerous people that are a part of Silver Creek that are, that are joining us in prayer as we aim for Easter and all that that morning can be. Thank you for your incredible love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.